0: Good evening fans, Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam, and you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by Codewriteplay.com.
1: Ooh, boom laka! My mom gave birth in 1985. I was bluer than a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive in the cold world. My only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart while Reagan rampaged the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. the arcade was my church. I mean, main thing is we're here now, We're
2: so here now, and, and and that's great. So, if you uh, don't have any questions for me or anything, or if you do, let's let's uh, go through them.
1: No, I feel like the element of surprise is uh, it will add an extra dimension to it all. Let me sneak up on you with some great,
2: great questions <laughs> and such.
1: Here, yeah, exactly, exactly.
2: Cool. Uh, we can just kind of roll into it easy. Uh, I'm recording, so I don't basically just so I don't forget to uh, hit record and we waste an hour. But uh, nice, <laughs> Stephen. Thanks for uh, joining us. To get started, why don't you sort of introduce yourself to listeners at high level, and then we'll sort of dig into more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, my name is Steve Morgan. Uh I am a lot of things. Uh I do stand-up comedy, improv comedy, perform and teach. Uh I write for different music magazines. Um I create my own music. Um I um god, I forget the I do I act as well. I got a play coming up. Um I um yeah. And I also work in IT, which is the only part which actually makes any money, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> but that's life. Uh, but I'm British. Uh, I live in the Netherlands, have lived here for three years, lived in Australia before that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, my country's not in the best of states at the moment, so it's kind of good being somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's about it, I think
2: we uh we have no shortage of things to talk about i was excited about your obviously your comedy work is is very cool i've been enjoying some of your youtube stuff and going through some of the cool things you've done online but also you know you have a a big music background you're a writer uh i did not know you worked in it so i feel like we have (laughs) more to talk about than i even realized (laughs) yeah so it seemed like a, a great fit but um What are you doing? So uh, I'm sure you're doing the most of the IT work right now because it's keeping the lights on. Yeah. Creatively, what do you sort of do the most of right now?
1: it's a really good question. And like a lot of people, I feel like this is not a normal time, you know, in that yeah. sort of sense, uh, it was weird. Like when the whole kind of pandemic thing started, there was this like euphoric moment where it was like, Oh my God, all this time I'm like at home and like, you know, and now I can catch up on all those things, which I keep putting off. And then about three <laughs> months in, it was kind of like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm uh, I'm done now. I'm, I miss <laughs> interactions. Yeah, this I is miss, crushing. Like, yes." this is too much exactly um so it has been a real struggle kind of finding that balance of like you know how do you recreate these sorts of things i'm very much like a collaborative person i definitely work better when i'm with other people rather than stuck in my own head so with that you know musically it has been actually i kind of my uh my fiance i essentially have kind of roped in as my sort of surrogate everything uh (laughs) whether it's kind of um yeah, it's kind of, uh, someone to make music with, bounce ideas off, um, or just generally drive insane with relentless chatter through the day. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's just been more of a case of trying to artificially create these, those sorts of things and doing things online as well. Like, for example, I'm teaching a corporate on um, improv workshop next week and I've got some things like this. And, uh, you know, it's, these are all things which they're good. They kind of. It's good to adapt and work out. But one thing I, I just can't deny is that, you know, it's no substitute for the real life uh, equivalence, which yeah. now touch wood, we can start moving back towards.
2: We're getting we're getting closer. Uh, <laughs> I, I too, have a loved one who is not involved in sort of like being as online as we are. And so uh, it is interesting what we do to our families and our loved ones and our friends when it's like. I need you to do the following so I can do this thing that's mostly solo and I should be able to do alone, but I could really use your help. You know, yeah. it's, it's been a, a funny thing. And my wife works in uh, the medical field. So this has been a, exceptionally hard on her. And God so it, it's, <laughs> it's difficult to sort of inflict myself on her right now. Cause it's the last thing in the world she needs. She needs support and uh, well, somebody to talk to and everything. And instead I'm like, uh, I'm bored working in my office. Can I hang out in yours? <laughs> you know yeah yeah that's it
1: i guess that's the thing is i mean i mean it's, it's got to be so ridiculously difficult working in the, the medical field at the moment and just like incomparable to anything on before and you know like kudos to your wife with that sort of thing but it's amazing like how every single person is going through like some sort of level of adaptation and change and things like this and it's you know it's we're all working these things out and i think it's all kind of like unknown territory of just like things of how your psyche reacts to all of these different things some positive some negative but yeah i feel like there's just like so much collective like weirdness in the heads of people that's happening in the last year or so and yeah. uh we're all gonna like maybe years later, we'll sort of look back and kind of like go, oh, I understand it now. But right now it'll just we're in it and we don't really understand how it's affecting us.
2: I'm sure a couple of these things are here to stay. I think there's going to be a more uh, a greater understanding of like, hey, we can we can meet online. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to do everything from their home full time like we maybe thought we did a couple of years ago. But, you know, I, I think some of these things are are going to be new. But you're right. There's no playbook. There's, <laughs> We all thought <laughs> it's weird. Almost everybody thought that they were uniquely adapted to like this way of life. I thought so, yeah. too, because I was in professional software for a long time. And when this stuff started, I had already been a, a freelancer from home for a few years. And I thought, right. OK, almost literally nothing changes for me. And sure enough, a few months into this, I was like, this is this is crushing. I I need <laughs> something else. You know, it's like I need to go back to uh, working in
1: a coffee shop or something. Like it's it's yeah, that's it. it yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Because yeah, I, I guess it's even. You know, I, I don't know about yourself, but I consider myself to actually have quite an introverted character on the whole. You mm. know, I do get some energy from socializing, but I really do need time to recover from these things. But even so, you know, there definitely comes a limit and it definitely kind of, uh, there's got to be a balance to all of these things. And there are times when, yeah, you're just the I, just like going out and socializing with someone, and I'm getting rushes that are like, you know, almost artificial uh, coming out of uh, just having a, a conversation with someone. You know, mm-hmm. this is it's like, what is this?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just told my wife the other day, uh, she had just come off a call, and I said, You've got that weird meeting energy. Which is something that we've both, <laughs> yeah. we both observed over the last year. Like, I'll have it after this podcast. I'll be kind of buzzing around a little bit. Like, yeah. what's going on with you? I just talked to someone, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I talked to someone and it wasn't even a functional conversation. We just talked about things. Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am surprised to hear you say that you consider yourself somewhat introverted because you're, you're quite a performer. Uh, yeah. And I feel like I started this podcast almost strictly because I was a little too much in my own shell. I was in the IT field also, and I thought it's probably hurting my career a little bit that I never want to leave my cube or I never want to speak up in a meeting or something. And I wanted to be a better sort of communicator. I mean, are there are there a lot of us like this or, or not so much?
1: I, I guess I feel like it's a spectrum, right? You know, yeah. I mean, I feel like term, like so many things, which we love to kind of talk about in these binary terms, like, you know, with, with uh, introversion and extroversion. I think that that's just one of those things that you do get like kind of a, a combination or you have certain attributes, which will be introverted, some that are extroverted. But like, I think that I, you've, some people kind of, like, for example, I know that like I, I put myself just naturally put myself in situations where I know I'm going to feel uncomfortable and I kind of have this driving thing that does that. But at my core, it's because it's like a challenge to myself and it's like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. There, you know, I, I'm very conscious of the fact that at the core, it is like, there's an introverted personality and that I do find these things draining and, you know, that I do have my limits and things like this. But yeah, I I guess it's, I think that with everyone's kind of engagement with this sort of thing, there's very few people who I think you can like outright just say, you know, you are an introvert, full stop. You are an extrovert, full stop. We're all over the place.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Something that I noticed, I I was watching some of the Real Power Talk interviews, which is something I love (laughs) to sort of talk about a little bit, because uh, in particular, the one with the the band Pup. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Near the end, I won't give away too much because I would strongly encourage people to check these out. It, it, it looks significantly underappreciated from what I can tell. Like it, it doesn't have nearly, uh, the, the praise and the consideration it deserves,
1: but. Oh, it's very kind to you.
2: <laughs> you played the game with the band and, uh, I died. Like a, something about that little inclusion near the end. I couldn't stop laughing. And it's it's uncommon for me to be watching something on my phone and actually literally laugh out loud. <laughs> I was laughing for a couple of minutes about
1: that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, those are so much fun to do. I mean it's it's also I think it's a really confusing concept for a lot of people to kind of <laughs> explain as well. Because yeah, I mean, just, just to give background for anyone listening, I mean, essentially it's um i it, I'm interviewing bands uh in character. As It's like one of various characters. The bands don't know it's a character. They just think that they're having a regular interview. Um, and so I play with that and just basically add the uh, up the weird level or um, ask inappropriate questions, uh, you know, tried to make it so it's custom for each band those sorts of things to just try and get a bit of a different response from them you Mm -hmm. know just try and get something that's abnormal i mean the whole thing started because basically i'd been doing band interviews for so long that i'd gotten so sick of it um because i was just like you know you, you try so many different things to try and get something unique out of someone when you're interviewing them just try and break that sort of um standard thing especially if it's musicians because there's so many like standard yeah you know, the, the reason they're doing this is because they're touring an album that they've just released so there's so many standard questions they're bored of them you're almost bored to ask them there's a press release that exists just to you know kind of like soften the blow of this entire process you, you just go crazy with it and i remember this uh there's an artist called uh donnie Bonnet, who's kind of like this australian artist he's inexplicably popular in the Netherlands, uh, despite being Australian, and, and he does this kind of like 80s cheesy sort of smooth jazz sort of music, uh, but looks like the sort of guy who, you know, is straight from the place sleazy extra number two in some uh, 80s film uh, with his bald head, like, you know, leisure suit kind of like uh, ensemble. Um, so I, the first thing that started was just, just that I had a chance to interview him. And I was like, you know what, what if I interviewed him? dressed as him (laughs) you know and (laughs) kind of just yeah so it just it just started with that but just like a completely like pole faced serious interview you know like all about his kind of like jazz influences all about um you know what it's like kind of uh, touring as an artist very so straight-laced but entire time dressed exactly like him so and it was just and yeah it was just like a a really fun thing and also quite surreal having such a serious conversation whilst both dressed uh, is so utterly ridiculous and then it was just like the natural progression to go okay what else can we do with this
2: (laughs) (laughs) i did get to watch some of that one also and what struck me there was it it was such a funny idea that you came in with that. And but at the same time, like you managed to do these things without alienating the person, which I love. I mean, you came in, you guys were very warm to each other. You hugged first thing and sat down, had a great conversation. And it's it's a lot more fun to watch when you don't have that uncomfortable feeling like this. This guy's going to get mad and walk out very soon. You know, right. So I, I appreciated <laughs> that. And at the same time, like, I, it does seem like you've found a way to sort of thrive. And I don't know if this is because of that introversion a little bit, but you have found a way to be very comfortable with like a slightly uncomfortable energy in the room. Maybe. Uh, what do you think? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I get, yeah, I these are really good observations. And, they, and it's funny you mentioned as well. I'm glad you picked up on the fact that, yeah, that like the, 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 the first thing that the, the, I'm, I'm not a fan of like making people, uh, you know, this kind of gross out just trying to make the people uncomfortable as such. I want to make sure that the the butt of the, every single joke is me or my character. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want these people to come away from it feeling like they've, uh, you know, I'm making a complete idiots of them. Because you know there's loads of people doing that sort of thing. But I, I feel like it's it's, it's it's a little lazy, you know. I want to make more of a challenge to make it so that, you know, I'm trying to get something out of them. But um but yeah, it's 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 um Oh God, I've forgotten the original question. Sorry, i got ADHD. So uh, <laughs> what was the, the other part of the question? That's okay. Like, do you, do you feel like maybe part
2: of that is that foundation and basic like introversion for you that that sort of like helps you do that kind of thing? and not...
1: it, I think so. Yeah, like a lot, one of the things which I do workshops and things of with improv particularly, which I've kind of, um, you know, has been pointed out by multiple people, especially early on, was that like I'm at my best when I'm kind of fully in character. Mm-hmm. because like when i'm just being myself i think that there's like a little bit of um well you know that that introversion means that i end up with a, the self-conscious voice is still there at the back of my head and if something goes too wrong i'm still not like in control enough to guarantee that it won't kind of uh rattle me yeah. whereas it's kind of like once i Mentally switch into this character, even if that character is just like an exaggerated version of, like, say, you know, myself, there's just a little bit that's kind of like, you know, when something embarrassing happens, when there's an awkward pause, when something doesn't go quite right, my brain is kind of like almost taking it, it's almost like a third person that's looking at this happening. And there's me and this, no, there's this character and whoever, and I'm interviewing, and I'm kind of like thinking, you know, look how ridiculous this is what would make this more ridiculous i know if they just carried on just with this awkward pause and you know just with nothing happening and yeah it just becomes so much like easier then when i think of it that way let's
2: talk about our sponsor app figures app figures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue you may know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now app figures can help you track competitors from downloads and dollar amounts to audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives you great context. If a competitor adds a new feature or gets mentioned in the news, app figures can tell you if that brought in more downloads. If you have an idea for a new app or a game, app figures can tell you how big the market is and how much money it can make you. That is just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, AppFigures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a huge budget or a data science degree. AppFigures has made it affordable and simple. They provide the tools and they can guide you step-by-step step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash dev breakdown to try AppFigures for free. If you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Yeah, I, I have felt that sensation weirdly enough. I've felt that while doing podcasts. Particularly when there's a guest that I feel like is maybe a little bit above what I'm asking them to do. Uh, I, I would probably consider you that also, but, uh, when, <laughs> when someone agrees to, uh, come on my podcast and, you know, reward my listeners for what they listen to from me week after week, I do sometimes have that sensation like I'm listening to the conversation and <laughs> that third person is like, You could run out of questions at any moment. You could run (laughs) out of things to, like, you could, you're not, why aren't you listening to this person talk? Why are you thinking about me right now? You're not going to know what he just said. Uh, Uh, Oh, yeah. And, like, once or twice, I even have had that situation where I just kind of watched myself just hit a wall and run out of questions, forget my line of questioning. And I've even had to admit to the other person one time, like, I have sort of asked everything I wanted to ask a little bit early at like 19 minutes. And is there anything else you wanted to talk about? And the guy was, (laughs) the guy was, couldn't have been more pleasant about it, but I mean, you've, you've had that happen probably on stage at some point, you know, or, or uh, lost a line of thought or something. I mean, what do you even do in that moment?
1: No, I think, I think you answered your own question beforehand because I think that that's something which is so, So important is that kind of honesty in those moments where those sorts of things happen like uh, when you asked me the question and then I answered half of the previous thing and then didn't even remember what the question was just a minute ago like I think that like it's very human and relatable to make mistakes and just get things wrong and like and that is totally fine we all know what it's like it's a real kind of like equalizer it balances things and you know and we all know as well like for example in an interview and something like this no one's going into it thinking you know kind of I know what I'll do I'll uh, have just enough questions so the last 10 minutes, I will not have enough. And then it'll be an awkward silence. You know, it's like no one's winning there. No one's premeditating that situation. So I think that, you know, uh, and and a lot with kind of interview situations, and uh, just generally kind of talking and getting on with someone and kind of creating a connection you know, it's like, you don't want to be too wooden. You you don't want to kind of be too scripted. You don't want to end up in a situation where you're like, no matter how like well crafted your questions or your, your kind of insights are that, you know, you haven't left enough space for wh- whoever it is that you're kind of in- engaging with, you know, because I, I mean, like I remember when I was first doing interviews, like music interviews, band and things like that, I would like beforehand, I would like literally have a list of questions. Uh, I'd be trying to memorize them. I'd be trying to, uh, you know, make them seem as clever as possible. Sort of like I would go if there was an, you know, musician who kind of like had a solo project that they did before they were in their famous band. I would kind of like somehow find a way to ask a question about it and throw it in there just and, and not even to learn anything, just to sort of like say to that person, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. I'm and prepared, I've done my yeah. Homework. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and it, I think it was just like, through over time just realizing that my favorite parts of them just you know came from the times when someone let you know let the mask slip you know when someone uh, made a mistake you know, usually me um when someone kind of you know just dropped the, the ball or just kind of it, it went off onto a tangent that was completely unexpected all of these sorts of things they were always the most fun moments they were always the parts which i remembered and afterwards was kind of like damn that was good that was that was so fun you know um, yeah. and so you instead i started trying to find situations where i could artificially create that and since then it's just been so much more fun you know
2: Yeah, it's, it. there's a lot to, I think that was probably the mistakes I was making early on was that over preparation and that sort of, you know, if I'm going to survive this, I had to have to adhere strictly to this plan I came up with. And you can't, like you said, you can't plan a conversation, uh, You know, unless you're going to plan it for both sides and then you're not going to get anything interesting out of the other side. So uh I think that probably is the killer mistake is uh coming in too prepared or not at least ready to adapt on the fly. You know,
1: yeah, um, it's so natural, though, I think it's such a natural way to react to these sorts of things.
2: Yeah. And I mean, the improv background has to help in your, you know, basically everything you do. How How did you get started in that?
1: Yeah, um, it does. And it's a, it's a fun thing. Like, um, improv is actually probably the, the type of performance or comedy, like musically and like in comedy and stuff like that, that I'm most naturally suited for. Uh, cause I'm an awful planner. Uh, I, you know, cannot think of more than five minutes in the future, <laughs> seconds maybe. Um, so, you know, I do react so much better in the moment. And like, you know, and at first I took up stand up. That was my first thing that I took up and I kind of, you know, put it off for so long because there was like a part of me that knew that even though i'd like gone down the line with like getting an education in it and a background of things like that i was the class clown you know i i there's a part of me that was like even if i'm not performing well in certain aspects of my life i, I know i'm funny you know i know i can <laughs> kind of you know be witty and and, and to make people laugh and things like that it wasn't like a thing i was consciously thinking but it was there in the back of my mind mm-hmm. and there was always perhaps i think a fear i didn't ever realize this until i did it of actually doing something comedy related because you know i was very serious with my musical endeavors um that because i was scared that if i ended up being bad at this that like it would completely like destroy my core understanding of who i was like you know it's like there's this you know you got all these kind of hang-ups on yourself about a personal level but it's like there's this fundamental thing you're kind of like well whatever happens at least i'm funny okay <laughs> so i got involved in stand-up and i've got to admit you know it's like it, when we there was like some things would go well but like you know I, I i was really conscious for the first year or so that i was like this is not working you know i'm mm-hmm. like i cannot translate the things in my head to the stage or if I'd have like a good show, it would be so inconsistent. You know, I could like follow off with with one which just felt so amazing with something that was just like so devastatingly awful that I wouldn't be able to sleep for hours afterwards. Got to be lying there in bed, staring at the ceiling, just like going, huh, that's another way in which I just completely embarrass myself in a room full of strangers, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all those sorts of thought processes. So I, 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 I was it wasn't until I got involved with improv and it just kind of happened so much more naturally. Just right from the beginning, I, picked, I took a course in Australia, um, with a group called Impro Mafia. And it was just so natural, you know, like it just, I wasn't trying. I wasn't having to kind of, um, you know, overthink things or go against some of my natural instincts. I would just so happily just be in the moment and just kind of, um, you know, and just... Uh, adapt to whatever new reality we're in at that time, you know, whatever someone says, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of how I get on with a lot of my friends in general. Anyway, you know, someone will just go off on a tangent, you know, I don't sort of stop and say, just hold a second. Um, you said that uh, we're, uh, we're on a bus, but um we're actually both sitting on the sofa right now. So I'm just wondering if maybe you've had some sort of mental episode or if you know you're uh, try some sort of hypothetical scenario here as to what's actually going on you know that that's that's not where it happens it's just yeah. just like a fun thing of just always kind of like just talking nonsense and just you know and having fun with just like you know letting your imagination run wild and and those sorts of things so yeah uh, improv is just just as soon as i started that as soon as i discovered that i was just like yeah, this is. I sh- I wish I'd done this sooner.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I've always kind of considered myself a comedy nerd, and like one of my biggest regrets is not having just made the time, even while working and doing all the same things you're having to do uh, to to keep things going, making some time to actually get involved in a local like improv group or or anything like that. Even now, I mean, I'm I'm sure you know because you're about to teach one. I mean, there are online you know improv groups right now doing their thing over Zoom. I'm sure it's not quite the same. But it's something, and, and even during the last year, I haven't managed to, you know, just do it for fun, you know, hang out with a, yeah. a, a group a little bit, and I'm I'm sure it feels better. You know, you, you kind of mentioned the the difference between a good show and a bad show, good night, bad night. I'm sure it feels a lot better when you're doing something that you find doesn't work, but you're basically playing a game with your friends, you know, which is yeah. in many ways what improv seems
1: to be. I'm sure
2: that feels a lot better, and you, you don't have that same trouble sleeping, right?
1: precisely yeah exactly it's it, yeah i think that's exactly it because with improv yeah it's just a very in the moment some things work some things don't um and yeah if it doesn't work the scene ends you kind of you carry on and it's it's just like a very spontaneous uh frame of mind but but i wouldn't beat yourself up uh, over these things because i i def, like i was saying with like getting into comedy myself you know i i've always had these hangups, ups so that i've things that i'm kind of like i should really do that and you know mm. i just put them off and i like, just keep putting them off and there's like this monologue thing at the back of my mind that i'm not addressing you know it could be important it could not but yeah there's all of these sorts of things if if there's something you want to try i don't know usually it's kind of like um yeah just don't overthink it you know like if you do want to try this sort of thing then I'm a big fan of just like, you know, sort of spontaneously going like, "Uh, I'm online. Uh, I've booked it. Oh, no. You know, it's too late now. (laughs) I've booked the tickets and uh, now we have to go. Yeah.
2: And as far as uh, stand up goes, from what I understand, you are in you've traveled between notoriously difficult parts of the world to get started in stand up, not in terms of like opportunity to do it, but like the audiences are a little harsher. I understand. And, uh, there's a little more expectation that there's going to be some back and forth with the audience. Is that, is that true? Or is that just one of those random oh, yeah. rumors that, that we hear mm-hmm. over here?
1: <laughs> no, you are, uh, you're again, great research because you're spot on. Um, particularly as when I was living in uh, Australia, I was living in Brisbane, which, yeah. um, kind of has you know maybe undeservedly but it has a bit of like the redneck uh, city reputation of of australia mm. um because it's in queensland which is like the most one of the most rural state basically yeah. so it's yeah it's very much like um yeah like uh like they call it true blue sort of aussie sort of um uh territory and i'm kind of coming over as like a, a british person which already sets expectations. To this day, even living there four years, I don't quite understand what it is that Australians think the British people are, but I know that they react to you a bit weirdly uh, <laughs> by default because they kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's unclear. They clearly have like ideas of what British people are or aren't. But And you could see it in their reactions, but you're kind of like, can you just tell me, Um, is this like, a, you hate me or you're confused? It's like, a, you know, just just give me a rough ballpark. But no, I mean, um, but yeah, Brisbane was a tough one. And like a lot of people would sort of uh, go down to like the Melbourne and Sydney scenes, you know. There was like always a, a slight, they would, they would talk about like, this was where they kind of, you know, they cut their teeth. Uh, and there was always a slight feeling of like, Danger in certain ones, particularly this place, Stone's Corner. Um, an open mic there, uh, in as a hotel, it was on a Sunday, which to me, I'm like, come on, guys, you got work on a Monday. Why are you mm. so drunk? And this show is like <laughs> at seven in the evening. Yeah. and Why has someone just walked through the door and started shouting inexplicably in a way that even though we speak the same language, I genuinely have zero idea what you've just said. <laughs> and then left again and you're like it it, it was kind of some surreal sort of things going on but um but yeah it it did make it kind of uh it did mean that when i moved to the netherlands and uh, was performing more to expats uh, and international communities um that i definitely sort of connected more with my audiences because i could like on a uh, you know on a personal level sort of um Empathize more with the, the the way they thought, you know, and I could like put some sort of comments and observations, and I felt like oh yeah this is these are things which you know i i don't have to explain, and i don't have i don't feel so disconnected we're all kind of you know foreigners here, I guess, but yeah, in Brisbane, it was tough. <laughs>
2: It's it's cool then that you did find ways to sort of uh, uh, express yourself and do fun, creative things where, where maybe uh, you didn't have to worry so quite so much about that. That's excellent. And I, I feel like the world is changing. I mean, it's, of course, changing people who want to do creative things. Uh, it looks different, the things you have to learn. And like, I know you've had to pick up technical skills to do some of the stuff you've wanted to do. It, it's it wasn't the same as. You know, maybe the 80s, it was just anybody who could uh, get to a venue, do the right thing, have the right skills in person. Like, now there are more ways to sort of put together something for people to look at, laugh at, and enjoy. And uh, one yeah. of the things you, you've you become very well known for uh, by name, from what I saw last night, is the, the whole Handforth Parish thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I guess we should... It, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if we didn't talk about that <laughs> a little bit, but... For for the few people who might not know, this is uh, I should probably have you describe it, but it's it was basically a, a local city council type thing is how we would uh, know it here uh, yeah. that just evolved into chaos. And, and you were the person to kind of condense that down into a, a shorter video and go, oh, my God, look at what's happening in this in this area. <laughs> so first, what's your connection to Hanforth? How did you come across this and then sort of tell that story?
1: Yeah. That was a crazy 24 hours. That was, um, <laughs> because cause it was like, it was so, it feels surreal even kind of looking back at it because I have zero connection to this, uh, this place hand forth. Um, I came into this as just like, it was just a regular, um, working day, a job, which I was not enjoying at that particular time. And, um, I was just like, kind of like looking online. I kind of like, Look at this, you know, some message boards, things like this. And someone had shared the hour and twenty like minutes uh recorded video on Zoom of a Parish Council, and uh, just said like, I know you're not going to watch this because it's an hour twenty, but just honestly, just look at this. This I I saw it shared somewhere else on like UK politics on Reddit or something, and it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And it was one of those days where you know, naturally you see an hour twenty minutes on a video, and you kind of like go, okay, now not now, maybe later. Yeah. But I was having one of those days where I was like, oh, I'll just put it on in the background while I'm working. Yeah so I did and like 5 minutes in you know already there was kind of like comments coming in that I was like what did what just happened <laughs> you know completely distracted from my work um yeah in case you haven't seen it so this is like a a um yeah it's, it's when uh these councils uh when government representatives have meetings they're open to the public so since this moved online um that had to move to zoom and had to move to being like shared things uh shared formats uh that people can access from just downloading all over the world however um as you can imagine with a lot of the sort of people who turn up to these sorts of things, you get some really interesting characters, some people who basically are there just because, I mean, just just, who are the people who turn up to these like council meetings, right? You know, who are the people who have the time, who have the inclination uh, to talk about like this kind of micro politics of like whether someone's uh, fence is three centimeters too far in one direction (laughs) or the other, you know, these are real like boring things usually. And, as always with these sorts of things, there's so much beef that just kind of like builds up over the years or whatever, because there's the same people for, you know, week in week out who are just kind of all just contradicting each other, different political views, different ideologies, but sure enough, they've got ideologies. Mm -hmm. So this video comes out, it's an hour 20. And like, even with all of this really boring context, It was just like, so damn hilarious. And I was like five minutes in and lucky because it's a thing, like who has the patience to get five minutes into a video nowadays. And I was like, and I was hooked and I was like, Oh my God. Okay. So I stopped and started watching it. I was watching more and more. And it was like, so good that, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a live stream. I was kind of like, you know, posting things as I was getting, it's like, you know, 24 minutes in, Oh my God, can you believe they said this? And I got to the end, like I did the whole like 80 minutes of it. And then I was like, my immediate reaction was like, my friends need to see this. You know, yeah. and people need to see this. Yeah. But simultaneously, I was like, I'm going to shit. Oh, wait, who the hell is going to watch an hour 20 video? If I okay. s- You know, there's, there's no way that I've got enough good grace with any of my friends to say like hey stop what you're doing and watch this feature-length film of uh, a <laughs> yeah. council meeting uh to see if it may interest you so i was like okay i know i'll uh edit it down you know i do a little bit of video editing um because you know it's, it's it'll be easy enough and just like with all of these things you start and then you just take a lot longer than you think i shared it online shared it with some people I knew shared it with some friends and uh yeah and it just blew up it was (laughs) like I literally had just edited this down to share with people I knew put it onto a few places anyway because I was kind of you know because I was kind of like shit this took me like two hours come on like you know let's let's ride
2: this wave a little bit yeah
1: yeah exactly Let's at least kind of share it in some other place to see what happens but yeah so then like I had like CNN the BBC um I had like all sorts of media networks, kind of like emailing me, contacting me, asking what I was. All of these sorts of things of like, what? Are, how do you relate to this? What? Where did you find this? What? What happened? Give me the whole story. I was getting phone calls. Then if I like, you know, because uh, it was, I'm not, like, and like, on every single one as well there's this core thing of kind of like the massive disappointment when they kind of like, oh, so you're just like, you know, regular <laughs> internet like surfing guy who just <laughs> just a just, viewer. Yeah, just just a viewer who just like for some reason like really put a lot of effort into this, um, but yeah, it, it just it just got so big for that time as well because also the fact that I was suddenly getting so like because i was getting yeah the, the attract the, the attention to it to other things that are uploaded online there was like this microcosm of time where i suddenly got so paranoid that like you know i'm like in the spotlight now even mm-hmm. though all i am is the guy who uploaded this to youtube and it's amazing how many like little things would happen like you know dms on twitter you know um youtube comments on things which like had no relation to this whatsoever yeah. and now of course i look back and it's like it was, it was no big deal it all kind of uh, was finished as quickly as it happened but there was a period of time there where i was just like oh my god you know what do i have online you know it's like what what else are they gonna find what is it's true what is happening like this attention was like seriously like uh ridiculous and yeah excessive and then yeah and now it's so weird as well because some of the people from that video in the uk are like They've got like the one of them's written a book that's been published. One of them's like on most TV channels um <laughs> in the UK. Some of the people who shared the tweets, uh they kind of like were interviewed and stuff and, and uh it's it's just such a weird like a uh, story full stop. But um but yeah, it it was definitely uh, yeah, it, I mean but the 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 fun the main thing is though, it was funny. That video is funny.
2: Right, it's extremely funny. Uh, you need you need zero context, zero background, just to watch the short version of this unfold. Which, for for uh, reference, viral. When I say that, we're talking about three point three million views on YouTube right now. Um, I read about it in the Washington Post. The Guardian called you an activist, which, which I was like, I, I didn't know if this was just a funny thing. Like, is he from there? And I'm, I'm sure that's what you mean when you say a lot of people (laughs) were sort of disappointed, like, oh, you just found this. Yeah. Uh, Which I don't, I don't, that didn't hurt my enjoyment of this at all. Uh, it was still very funny. Uh, but yeah, the, the ripples this caused, like you said, is, is crazy. The, the, the main lady who came in to, uh sort of take care of the meeting and stuff they were talking about how Andrew Lloyd Webber played a song for her at, at a you know <laughs> an event and uh people are talking about book deals and stuff i it's so funny that it's it's kind of nice people who are online like us making content doing our best grinding away at stuff trying to bring some enjoyment to whoever it is whatever the audience is uh when suddenly that turns into something that's like oh this had A positive effect this wasn't just like this started as a fun and very funny thing but i hear that also helped maybe shine a light on some local politics in a place where maybe it needed to be shown you know uh i don't i don't know how many times a person can expect to be involved in something like that but i i think you really hit the jackpot and if it wasn't too painful for you once that spotlight was on you a little bit i'm i'm glad to hear it like that seemed like a good opportunity right
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, the, the the result of it in the end was all positive. It's just that moment when I was kind of uh, worried about what direction it would take. But yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Because you do so many sort of uh, things, certain things that you put, like, loads of time and effort into things which you think are good, or et cetera, et cetera. And then when something like this happens, and you kind of like just go, oh, so now I'm the handfuls Parish Council guy. Okay, <laughs> I... Uh, I don't know how I feel about this, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that was two hours this morning, and, uh, you know, now suddenly this is the reason that people are reaching out to me. Ah, cool. You know, it is what it is. But it's all, but yeah, it, it's one of those things, though, isn't it? It's kind of like you, you, you just... Um, you're not in control you're in control yeah. so little with these sorts of things it's just about like just putting yourself out there just trying different things and uh seeing what sticks and uh, just make sure that everything that you do do you're happy with because you never know the thing that people are going to latch onto
2: right it it is it's so weird the internet like the universe is so fickle in this way like i've done i've done a podcast for 4 years the website's been around that that long also i've done like independent games and stuff and the most attention I've ever had on, on anything was just a couple of weeks ago when my personal Facebook got hacked. I wrote a, a tweet thread and a blog post about it because like I had all of their recommended security stuff set up and somebody took yeah. over my account anyway. And mm. my, my VR headset, I couldn't use it anymore because that's the account that runs that, that device. So I had to have my Facebook account and they locked me out and I just said, Oh, this sucks. You know, I was just tweeting for a couple of my friends and, you know, hey, watch out for this. And this is something to be aware of. Half a million people saw the tweet thread.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. And the
2: blog post is still going around and stuff. And you want to talk about that weird feeling like, what else do I have online? Now I'm the hacked guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and that feels really weird, too. It's like it, it'd it be like finding out somebody like went through your car while it was parked in the driveway, except now the entire world can't stop talking about it. And it's like <laughs> it's very invasive feeling and weird, you know, but like you said, a couple of weeks later, everything turns into like, no, that was OK. That wasn't a huge deal. <laughs> but it's another one of those things there's no playbook nobody you, you can't teach somebody how to think about it when something like this randomly happens but
1: yeah. uh, oh my god yeah that's uh, that's i can understand why that went viral though you know because i've got to say you know um i have a facebook account and i do you know i have the whole two factor authentication stuff set up but i'm just I, I yeah i'm always paranoid about stuff like that i'm like no don't uh, no, you know, I'll anything with two-factor authentication I will set up, you know. I'll, first thing I do is like set it up. I'm like, no one else can get into this. I need to make sure that my passwords are secure. I've got LastPass last pass and everything like this. No, don't publicly say last pass. No. But, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, it's... I hate the idea of like this thing of someone else kind of like getting control of these things because this is the thing. It's like, you know, things like Facebook and things like that are almost becoming public services. They're almost like public mm. identities and public identification things you have linked into like you know your your um uh things that you've invested money into in time and like you said with your vr headset you know that's linked to your account you spend money on that that's your possession but it's not because it's actually a uh, uh it's almost like a lease you have this yeah. associated with the account that suddenly is uh bannable or you know things like yeah, this it's and it's a it's, licensing
2: agreement they can cancel
1: it yeah yeah. So. yeah exactly so it's it's one of those things which you know it's it's just yeah it's like it's easy to be like really flippant about this sort of thing. But uh yeah, well, I'm I'm honored to be talking to the hacked guy. I'll <laughs> well, tell your friends, yeah.
2: Happy to do <laughs> selfies. Um But it, it's these things that I think the core element of it is it's these things that strike a chord with people like it hits close to home. Yeah. I have a local city council and I'm not sure what they're doing. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm on Facebook. I better look at this. And, you know, nobody's intentionally contributing to like, I want to make this viral. It's like, no, I just, this is very personal to me and I want to interact with it. And you know, you can't plan it ahead of time, but some of these things sure do, uh, take off. And, and when they do, you just, you have to be ready and hopefully you put some truth out there. And in, in your case, I think you did you, you, you went, Hey, this, this, I found meaning in this. It's hilarious. First of all, but it's also something that we can all think about. Like earlier this year, I found out that the city I grew up in, they were having these same kind of meetings. There were these people who came in a room, couldn't sit across the table from each other. They're ranting and raving at each other. People are storming out. They were in person. And it's like, how much of this is going on? And what's happening to my tax money? And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm happy to, to chip in my share to keep the city, uh, you know, nice and the roads drivable and everything. But like is, how are these people getting along well enough to to apply it? You know, <laughs> it's
1: yeah, it's thing. it's it's a nice it's it's a really it's a really interesting point, and that's uh that's yeah that's the thing as well is that I have no idea how this should work or you know what yeah. it's supposed to be, but it is good to kind of draw attention to the fact that it's like yeah, I mean like I, I I wasn't so conscious of this, but like I mean even after this, I had so many people sending me different videos saying like you should do one of this, you know <laughs> this is uh, I found this and. And and a few of them, I started doing it, but then at one point kind of like went, whoa, if I do some more of this, I genuinely do become the council meeting editing guy. You're
2: that guy. But Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I started watching some of these and I was kind of like, okay, this is like a microcosm of like all of the combination of like old people trying to deal with Zoom and, and technology and things like this and the inefficiencies of local council. But it's not like unique in any sort of regard it just happens to be one that like almost feels scripted because it's you know it's it's just so intense but as far as these sorts of things happen this this is pretty regular and pretty common in so many instances and you know i gotta stop watching these (laughs) just gotta move on yeah
0: well
2: (laughs) indeed let's uh let's move on and celebrate your music work i mean i know you're also a musician in addition to the the writing you do and the you know being a music scene uh journalist of sorts uh how when did you start what do you play what's that part look like
1: yeah um yeah i i I mean i play i mean guitar is my main instrument um Mm -hmm. but i do like in the last well quite some time now i've been really kind of getting involved in various sort of production and using synths and kind of just really manipulating all sorts of different studio sounds and things like that so it's uh just um yeah it, it it's always i find it hard to describe you say producing but it's like what does that mean but it's like you know i just basically use a lot of digital technology to create different sounds uh that then i can use to make music but yeah, I've, I've been in like lots of different sort of, uh, musical projects over the years. I'm currently working on one, uh, which, uh, yeah, like with everything with musically, the last 10% takes longer than the entire first 90% of everything. Mm-hmm. So it, it's getting there, but, um but yeah, I, I've always kind of, uh, had a soft spot for, you know, kind of, uh, very like, uh, intensive sort of, uh, music, not like intense, like, you know, metal and things like that, but just more stuff that's like very energetic, very sort of like, uh, upbeat and that sort of thing. Something that really kind of like, uh, connects with me, you know, whether that's Mm -hmm. punk electronic, whether that's, um, yeah, some sort of rock music, uh, God, I don't even know where to begin with genres these days because everything is just a mismatch nowadays, which is yeah. beautiful. You know, everyone should just pull from everywhere. That's what I say. But yeah, uh, I, I, I love making music. I've been in, in multiple bands and uh, and I'm always kind of like looking to make more
2: very cool. I loved when I was young, like I was a young musician also. I'm I'm a drummer and uh so I got to play with a couple of bands around high school, early college and stuff and it's such a cool thing to experience as you're like sort of coming into adulthood. Like I I wish everybody got to have a little bit of that experience, find the local music scene and see all the cool stuff that goes on there. Like yeah. just see how much creativity there is wherever you live. Almost anywhere you could go. There are people doing like weird and wonderful things. And then there's stuff that's like very uh you know, mass appeal style, like people who are very talented, who are clearly gonna do well. It's fun to cross paths with with those people and, and uh Yeah. Getting into like production, like you said, for me, I mean that's just anything it takes to get the thing done is is production work. And later when I found sort of game development and the game industry stuff, they use the same term the same way. It's like production work is anything that needs to get done between the people who do the specific creative things and the finish line. Like that's all production Yeah, being the glue, I guess, but uh, it, it's just uh, learning how to make it work basically, which is a, a neat thing. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. I think that, like with a lot of instruments and and kind of music, it's it's about kind of finding the way to realize the thing that you want. And you know, when I'm a teenager, I just had a guitar and just distortion pedals and you know, a microphone, and then you know, yeah, just four piece bands sort of thing. That was that was what spoke to me that's what i kind of wrote and that's what what made sense but then like as technologies moved on and you know having a background in it as well it means that i've really enjoyed kind of like playing around with different synth sounds just manipulating different things that way and you just suddenly realize it's like wow look at all these things you can do with this uh and it's limitless you know or is actually a little bit crippling because you're kind of like oh my god i've got too much i can do i can never stop playing with these things but uh, but yeah and also like with the, what you were saying about um just you know that being a you wish that everyone had kind of would go and, and and just experience this and just be around that creativity i mean i remember growing up in us uh, in this the town that i grew up in in south wales and uh I was in a lot of bands and like, for, you know, the, the, the for a lot of years of my life, I was like, this is the thing I want to do, you know, I want to make it, put everything into becoming like, you know, a big, rich, famous uh, musician, mm-hmm. you know, I'll make it work, Um, you know, and here we are. Um, But uh, <laughs> like another time, I remember like I was in lots of different bands, I was always trying to find diff- other different, you know, things which I could get involved in and just, you know, always looking for that big thing. And one thing that always bothered me, and I was used to think, you know, it was like such a, a telling thing of what a dead end town I came from, was that like, you know, there was so much of a focus on metal. There was so much just metal and so many different bands and just so many like people, you, you know, it's like you got within like a meter and I'm like, oh my God, I can smell you so much. This is not me. I cannot do this. I need to kind of distance myself. And yeah, and I just kind of like thought, oh, what are we doing here? You know, what is this? This is Virginia, South Wales. Anyway, long story short, like two of those bands, one of them is Bullet For My Valentine (laughs) and one of them is Funeral For A Friend. Mm. Uh, Both came from my hometown. Both were in scenes around that time. And and, and I was kind of like, huh. So I guess I was wrong there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic because uh, here in the greater St. Louis, Missouri area, who were who were the bands who we kind of were around the scene with? There was a uh, story of the year came from here for sure. And they've they've done fine. I mean, like, I haven't really kept up with them. But, like, I, f- I felt the same way at the time when I was, like, 17 or 18. It was, like, every show we played, there would be two, maybe three metal bands, one or two punk bands. And then we tried to, like, fill this gap in the middle where we were inspired by, like... <laughs> Uh, there'd be a little bit of Incubus, Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. and, and just a a different vibe, like a little bit more laid back and a little little funky once in a while and stuff. And and it was like I I don't know how to survive here, you know. It's like first of all, we can barely survive the crowd after after our set, you know. It's like what do yeah. you do, you know? But it was still it was still fun. I I still enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Like there is a complication as well. It's funny as well. Like um, looking back, and it's like as time went on, I kind of I got more and more involved in kind of like you know what what actually does sort of uh uh, you know get people interested in what we're doing and like with the neon Highwire band i was involved with for quite a number of years it's like i remember towards the end i was just got so sort of hung up on this idea of kind of like you know what is it that people are kind of you know into about this how do we get more sort of exposure coverage and things like this and you start just like really focusing on well the wrong things for happiness and creativity but (laughs) um but yeah it was amazing how it's like so much of this comes down to like your story you know (laughs) like um as an artist as a musician as as whatever it is that you're doing this and and i and i say this because i know that i experienced it as a as a listener as well is that it's all about kind of you know what what is there about this that kind of is interesting it's kind of like hey look there's there's four uh there's four kind of uh white guys they're just um making music with guitars it's kind of like yes we know this we know this happens we know how this happens we know what's going on with that. this has been done there is nothing even vaguely exciting about that but then you kind of like get into things like I mean, you know, like I remember Bonnie Vere and his debut album and just like, uh, his going to the cabin for, uh, on his own for six months or whatever it was after the breakup of his girlfriend and, mm-hmm. you know, just wrote these songs and he came, you know, he's an artist out of nowhere and suddenly there's all of this. And there's, you know, there's a lot more to it. It's not just some random person who then like uploaded it onto uh face you know onto Bandcamp or something and went like, oh, my job is done. Now I'll become successful. You know, yeah. there is more to kind of that point. But it is like really important to have these sorts of stories and things like this. And probably like the extreme person of this who kind of like and seems to understand this better than anyone else right now is Kanye West. <laughs> who um you know love him or hate him and you know i love his earlier stuff but i find it harder and harder over the years to defend anything that he's doing um but you know like i've got to say even with all of that and even with the fact that i haven't liked any music he's made in 10 years now it's like it's, it's just like jesus christ man it's, I mean, it's, it's a long time um But it's, you know, I couldn't help but get caught up in the whole circus of this latest album, the Dondas, like uh, listening parties in stadiums and just thinking, it's just so ridiculous. But at the same time, here I am, you know, kind of like (laughs) looking at the Instagram account going, like, what's, what's he done now? And I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm in on it, you know, and it's just like, it's just, yeah, it's human nature, I guess. It's, it's like the, um, the musical equivalent of clickbait, you know, it's really.
2: They they definitely captured that same formula and kind of put it in our ears, which which is impressive. Uh, and I I feel the same way. Like back when he was kind of hanging out with Jay Z a little bit and stuff, I was like, yeah, I got a yeah. sort of a soft spot for this. I kind of like this stuff. And now it's like I can't keep up, but good for him. That's, that's yeah. like, <laughs> keep on doing what you're doing. Like it's clearly he's. Uh, maybe a little bit of a tortured individual and I'm glad to see him functioning and doing well. And I, uh, I certainly hope the best for him because the more I hear the, the more concerned I get, but he seems like he's doing okay for now. So yeah. Yeah. That's
1: it, isn't it? Yeah.
2: (laughs) There's, there's sort of an element in uh, I I guess music and comedy from the looks of it, where if you're someone who kind of has your act together, you're an organized person. Like there comes a point when you start sort of maybe kind of running the scene also, like you sort of start being a bit of the organizer just in your immediate area, you know, like I, it, I've i heard you're involved in like putting some events together and stuff, too, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. It's 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 yeah, it's it's a really hard balance that one, because I think that much in the same way as like people who, you know, if, if you really want to learn to hate something, you know, get a job in it you know like spend all of your waking hours kind of like dealing with it not just dealing with the part that you like all the things around the fringes and things like that as well um and yeah i mean it's it's always been a tough thing is because it's always been like um because i I guess i'm a bit of a my character will naturally sort of want to get involved with improving things whatever it is and over time you start to notice more and more of those things and you get involved in the like oh we could do this better you know go do this better but you know it it takes the more energy you put into that the less that you have in whatever the creative thing is you know so suddenly you're kind of like you know you like, like even at some point during lockdown with the whole improv group that i'm a part of and i'm like you know and i'm like having meetings about the website and how we're doing social media stuff and all this sort of thing and I'm just like got to a point where I was like what am I doing I have another job now I'm yeah. like <laughs> all of the fun things gone out of this because it's you know it's lockdown and all that and now I'm just like yeah I've just kind of gone too deep into this and I had to like consciously back off but yeah I do feel like um when you really sort of when you really try to throw yourself into something more than just say like you know the the basic uh, create basic more than just the creative endeavor of it the thing the making the thing um, it is easy to kind of get completely sidetracked from what it is that attracted to you it, it, attracted you in the first place you know you really kind of it's so easy to get like caught up in particular details or the, the, the stuff which you know perhaps it, it'll help you it'll help whatever you do become a, like a little bit more uh, popular or get into the eyes of other people but it doesn't really help you kind of do the thing that you love doing and getting more time to do that thing. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a balance and it's something which I kind of, I tend to find myself having to sort of like reset things every now and again because I just, you know, it. I just naturally find myself slipping and slipping and slipping. And sometimes I just have to draw, you know, just stop and say, okay, enough. I'm doing nothing. Nothing is being shared. I just need to just do the thing that I like doing with no context and no end goal and enjoy it again.
2: That's so funny you say that because I, I feel exactly that way. I feel like I almost have this annual purge I have to do <laughs> where I find like three or four things that are taking up a ton of my time. Like, how did I end up? helping this guy edit this site for free where I just wanted to contribute like one article. Like, just <laughs> and, and there's a, a couple of different versions of that, but it's, I feel like certain people, this stuff sticks to them like glue. And it's because I think it's because of a certain capability. I'm not saying that in my case, but probably in yours, uh, you're capable, you know, what's going on. You've been around the scene for a while and things latch on to you because you can take care of them. You're a problem solver and, and, uh, after a while you have to just kind of cut stuff off or you're not going to make it to work the next day. You know, it's just yeah. you're going to be up all night dealing with uh, whatever it is, but uh, it sounds like you've struck a decent balance. It sounds like you're doing, doing well. So good for you.
1: <laughs> uh, I think so. The, the, yeah. The pandemic kind of helped with the, uh, the moment of just like going, Hey, how, how about if I take all of these things, you, and uh, now, now work out what it is that you do do. <laughs> right,
2: yeah. Everybody take yeah. these things back. But um <laughs> So, well, time flew right right by. This was not one of those things where I ran out of anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as we sort of bring it home, why don't you let people know where they can find you, what the best places to look, and uh, the things you're up to?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, uh, so i'm on facebook i'm steven morgan hero (laughs) yeah you know like i didn't want to associate myself with one thing and you have to come up with a username deal with it uh on instagram uh, ma0sm doesn't make any sense Uh, twitter i'm Flavardit. um doesn't make any um i'm also on youtube people looking for harris handfuls parish council content can go there <laughs> uh and yeah i'm part of easy laughs in amsterdam who are a, an improv group uh, easy laughs amsterdam easy enough uh, to find on various social media real power talk we talked about uh real power talk tv um on all different social media um and yeah the these those are probably the the main things um yeah so just like them all and uh like all of my posts and things like that and yeah that'll do me
2: that (laughs) that sounds great and uh, we'll be watching for the next super viral thing so we can have you back on and (laughs) sort of dissect it afterward
1: yeah be the last thing i think it is (laughs)
2: If you enjoy Game Dev Breakdown, hit subscribe so you can catch those future episodes as they happen. You can find show notes at codewrightplay.com. My book Inside Video Game Creation is available now on Amazon in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats. We do video shows at YouTube and if you would like news and articles from around the web each week, you can subscribe to the newsletter available on the uh, newsletter tab at codewriteplay.com. We're on Twitter at gamedevpod at codewriteplay and me at mechatodzilla with one D and two L's. Reach out about anything at any time. Thanks everybody. More next week for Code right Play and Gamedev Breakdown. I'm Todd Mitchell. Thanks. And we will talk to you soon.